0: Dear Heavenly Father, we do know that the Gospel centres around you. It centres around the perfection and the glory of your Son. Father, we ask that the Holy Spirit would awaken us to you and the work of your Son and to lift our eyes, the eyes of faith from beyond ourselves into the fullness of your reconciliation for us. We ask for this miracle and the outpouring and the gift of the Holy Spirit now in Jesus' name. Amen. You see on your screen the title The Supremacy and Sufficiency of Christ from Colossians 1, 15 to 20. And as I said to the 8 o'clock audience, some messages are milk and milk meaning it's quite easy to digest. But How would you feel if you saw a 20-year-old man still nursing on his mother's breast? You'd have to say now it's time for you to get off the milk and get onto the meat. I'm not going to apologise for this message being a bit meaty, but it will mean that you have to love God with all your heart, with all your soul and with all your mind. And uh, that's something that I pray will happen. So I'm going to make three points very clear to you from this passage. The first point is this. God's plan for his son to become a man was not plan B. Plan A. Some people tend to think that God's plan of salvation is his response to sin. No, it is not. He planned it before time. That's meaty. The other thing, second point, is all things were created through the Son and for Him, including us. We are created for the Son. Third point, which I can't wait to get to, is that it was the Father's pleasure, His full delight to reconcile the creation to Himself. They're the three points. Now, here comes what I would call a challenging couple of quotes and I'll make them and then we'll move on. Let's see if you can just work through this with me. One theologian by the name of F.F. Bruce said that God created mankind. We understand that part pretty easy. God created mankind so that one day his son could become a human being. All things were created through him and ultimately for him. Yes, it's a mystery, but it's there in scripture and it's a part of your inheritance if you're a Christian. So, eat and chew and enjoy that kind of scripture. So, the whole purpose of God in reconciling the creation and his church back to himself through the Son is his original Purpose, plan A, His divine intention. And now I'm going to give you the second half of that quote by F.F. Bruce with a paraphrase to help us understand it. The goal of God the Son becoming a human being is that we would then be joined to His humanity forever and as Lutherans we call that, starts with B, joined to His humanity What's it called? Come on! Baptism. Baptised into the humanity of God the Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. We need to do some catechizing work. So, that's, that's the difficulty out of the way. That's the difficult section. So, on your screen, you'll have the text in verses 15 to 17. So, He, Jesus Christ, He, the Son of God, become the man, Jesus Christ, is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. Now, the firstborn of all creation does not mean that Jesus Christ was created. What it means is as God's Son, He was there before creation and He actually comes into the world as the man Jesus Christ, to be king of the creation and to inherit the whole creation and to inherit you and me. For by him, Paul says, all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities all things were created through the Son and for Him. He is before all things and the whole creation is held together in and by Him. Now, what does God look like or who does God look like? What's the image of God look like? Can somebody answer that? Who does God look like? The man Jesus Christ, thank you. Everything about the Father is seen in the man Jesus Christ. So when you see Jesus Christ or you read about it, sorry, you read about it but you see it in Scripture, Jesus Christ sitting down and making food for his disciples, cooking a nice piece of fish after the resurrection for them there is the revelation of what God looks like. How stunning is it that everything that God is, is seen and made visible in the humanity of Jesus Christ. So one author says this, when Jesus Christ comes back at the end of the age, and my Bible study group's going to laugh at this one, He's going to come back and under one arm he's going to have a bottle of red wine and under another arm he's going to have a salami, big piece of salami. I think we're a bit too spiritual, aren't we? We're a bit too spiritual for God. We wouldn't have God be like that. But that's who He is. God the Father is visibly seen in Jesus Christ and especially in him bleeding out on the cross for our sins. So I could say to you, what's your image of God? And it would probably be a wrong question because I would have to say our images of God really in the end are just a bigger version of ourselves. So we tend to think God is a bigger version of each other or myself. Jesus said to Philip in John 14, If you have seen me, you have seen the Father. Now, the only way, and this is where it gets really wonderful, the only way that God could actually ever be fully revealed was if His Son became a man. It could not be revealed through angels. The only one who could reveal the Father would have to be who? The Son. And so, we see that. Now, many people think that God the Son really had to humiliate Himself to become a human being. No, it was actually the Father's glorious intention for him to become a human being. I I think he couldn't wait to become a human being. He couldn't wait to actually walk on the creation. He couldn't wait to be able to relate to people as a human being. God created the whole universe so that one day His Son could actually enjoy the creation. I think that's stunning. It's absolutely stunning. It's very hard when you're kind of locked into the church building on a Sunday morning with our images of what God is like. The Word became a human being and we have seen His glory. We see His glory as a human being. We behold his glory as a human being, the glory of God, the glory of the Son as a human being, and he dwelt among us full of grace and full of truth. Hebrews 1 3. He is the radiance, the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature, and he upholds the universe by the word of his power. And you probably think, why are you labouring this? Brothers and sisters, you are reconciled through Him. I'm labouring the glory of Christ because you're reconciled in Him. And you're probably a lot like me. You still kind of doubt whether the Father is pleased with you. You, as a human being in Jesus Christ, and this is my last point, but it's coming a bit early, reflect back to God. You reflect back to God all that is in His Son. How can He not be pleased with you? You reflect back to Him the glory of His Son and the work that He actually did in His Son actually goes back to the Father and it returns to Him and it praises Him and He looks at you and He says, Ah, you are in the glory of my Son. Now that comes with great struggle because we still battle this present evil age. Paul is saying that the Son of God in whom God created all things through reigns supreme over the entire creation as the first man who has ever been resurrected which guarantees your resurrection so that in everything he may be preeminent for all things were created through him and for him. And this is my second point. Who were you created for? Jesus Christ. You were created for Jesus Christ. Now, brothers and sisters and young ones here today, we live in an age, a very wealthy age, probably over wealthy, but we live in an age where everything is actually about ourselves and especially about our comforts and especially about our pleasure. Now you think about advertising for a moment. We even have advertising now about comfortable lounges and comfortable chairs. Not just lounges, but ones that are incredibly comfortable that are designed to give you utmost pleasure. Or beds that are three and four thousand dollars to give you the greatest night's sleep. Or you go to buy a loaf of bread now and you've got your choice out of twenty. We live in an unusual age and I need to say it is unusually wealthy. It hasn't always been like this and it may not always continue to be like this. But why does advertising actually tap into our need to be satisfied? Why is it that in advertising there's a great promise that if you buy this luxurious car, your world's just going to be magnificent? Why does advertising do that? And why do we and me, why do we get sucked into so much? Because advertising is tapping into the fact that your heart was created for ultimate joy and pleasure in God. That's right, you were created for ultimate joy and pleasure in God. So I've said this before and I don't mind saying it again. Try and deny yourself pleasure. Try and wake up in the day and say, I'm not going to be happy today or I'm not going to make choices that make me happy. You can't. Every day you wake up and I wake up, our whole lives are governed around making choices that are actually about making us either happy or satisfied. Is that true? because we're created for it. God's not saying, deny yourself pleasure. He's not saying that. You can't. He's actually saying, you were created for it, and here it is, and it's in my son, and it's my pleasure. And so until you know that, until you know the deep contentment and the satisfaction that is that comes through the gospel, you will always be restless. You'll always be searching for that thing to bring you joy and contentment. And a friend of mine who was suffering from depression quite a while back, went to a psychologist one day and began to speak about her problems. The psychologist, after listening to her, and the psychologist was not a Christian, turned around to her and said, you need to learn that the whole world doesn't revolve around you. How would you like to pay that psychologist at the end of the day? That began a process of repentance and faith in that person. They were depressed because they had made everything revolve around them. And what Paul is saying is the creation does not revolve around us. The universe revolves around Jesus Christ and you in Him. You sharing in Him. And that's why the reconciling work of God is not plan B but plan A. I'm just going to read this to you. It might sound a bit theological, but God's intention for you. You know, there are a lot of Christians reading a lot of literature now saying, what is God's ultimate purpose for my life? If you write a title like that, I could write a book like that. I reckon it would sell. What is God's ultimate purpose for my life? There, There's plenty of those books. Well, God's ultimate purpose for your life God's intention for you was always his reconciling work through his son and it was the father's pleasure to reconcile you to himself through Jesus and his death. Now, I met with somebody during the week and we talked about our fears we got to a really important stage where I said, what's your greatest fear? And the person said to me that I'm not going to see God smile on me but that he's actually going to be unpleased with me. I don't know how many times I've heard that but I've heard that so many times. I'm worried that when I meet God he's not going to be pleased with me. Well, if, if that's there kind of in the back of our mind, are you going to really enjoy God now? It's going to be hard, isn't it? Because you're still going to sort of think, is he pleased with me? Look closely at the text. For in Christ all the fullness of God was pleased. to Well, that word pleased is the word for pleasure and Delight. This is not plan B. God does not need His arm to be twisted to redeem us or to reconcile us. You don't have to go up to God and twist His arm. It was His divine intention, His pleasure to bruise His Son, says Isaiah 53.10. How can it be the Father's pleasure to bruise His Son? Because in the cross... The Father gets all the evil of all the world and all the sin and all that would harm the creation. And He lays it on His Son and His Son bears everything that displeases the Father. Everything that you feel that has displeased the Father was laid on the Son and the Father judges Him until finally he bleeds out in death and there is a perfect reconciliation until the wrath of God is finished. In his Son he destroys evil. So, everything that displeased the Father has been removed. What does that mean for you who are reconciled through Jesus' death? Is there anything displeasing in you, in Christ Jesus, to the Father? I know it's radical. It's a crazy gospel. But either he removed sin or he didn't. Either he took the fullness of the judgment or he didn't. Either you are reconciled through his physical body and made friends with God or you're not. Which one is it? And it was the Father's pleasure to do it. So if it was the Father's pleasure to do it before you could respond to him, then is not his pleasure and his delight actually in you Fully now. I asked the 8 o'clock crowd, what's your favourite part of God's nature? For some people, it's His love. It's the Father's love. For some people, it's His grace. Or for some people, it's His righteousness. I don't know what it is for you. But I'm going to confess I love the fact that the Father is full of pleasure. That's the part that, that, that grips me the most. Because it means God is happy. He's not an unhappy God. He's a joyful God. And it says in Zephaniah that he actually sings over you. He sings loudly over you. In Christ there is like this Niagara Fall of grace and ocean of love that never ends, that can never end, that keeps coming to you. Think of Niagara Falls. Think of the Father's river of love and grace just pouring over you in Christ because there's nothing else. Everything's been removed. Will that get you through your day? Just. Will that put a new freshness on your, your marriage? I mean, Isaiah calls it a honeymoon love, that he delights over us, like the bridegroom delights over his bride. Brothers and sisters, it was the Father's pleasure to dwell in his Son and to reconcile you, and now the fullness of the Father in the Son, is given to His church, His body. And as it is with the head, so it is with the body. I'm just going to close with the end of that reading. And you who were once alienated and hostile in mind, doing evil deeds, the Father has now reconciled in Jesus' body of flesh by His death in order to present you holy and blameless and above reproach in God's sight, now continue in the faith, stable, steadfast, not shifting from the hope of the gospel that has been proclaimed to you. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen.